You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. everybody and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast from Rocky Mountain Rooftop, the Rockies affiliate of Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, and here decked out in his CU Buffalo's uh, gear is one Evan Lang. Scope offs. It's I can't remember a time where, well, I mean, I can, but it's been a long time. It's been a long time since... CU football has been like fun to watch, especially in two straight weeks. So uh, I'm just taking the joy where I can. <laughs> yeah, currently two and zero. I'm not one that really cares about college football at all, uh, but I did sit down and watch the game before we recorded, which is why we're recording later than we usually do. And hey, good for them. Yeah, Deion Sanders. Sanders with uh, two straight weeks of 350-plus passing yards and no interceptions. Very smart with the ball placement, accurate passes. First half wasn't great in terms of offense. He was getting a little bullied a bit with the offensive line, uh, letting pressure get to him. But in the second half, they really put it together and beat the Huskers. Yeah, how dare the Rockies, though? They, they had a Huskers night. How dare they? The amount of rage I have seen. So some pic, uh, p- some pictures made the rounds on social media of an empty course field. And it says on the jumbotron, the Nebraska horn corn Huskers take over course field. The Rockies aren't in town this weekend. And it was the the stadium, which you can rent out for private events, was rented out, I believe, by the Nebraska Alumni Association on a week where on a weekend where the Rockies aren't in town, but a bunch of Nebraska fans are because it's, you know, the big rivalry game and people are losing their minds over it. Oh, oh, Dick Monfort and the Rockies don't support their local teams. All they care about is the money. It's like. You weren't going to be there for this. This was a a private event hosted by the Nebraska Alumni Association. Mm -hmm. And especially with, they had a Nebraska night at the ballpark in like June and Mm -hmm. nobody said anything. Mm -hmm. Oh, people just like to be angry for no reason. But it's silly because, (laughs) you know, the Rockies have had a ton of college nights this year, including three for Colorado schools of CU, CSU, and Mesa. Mm -hmm. Oh, it turns out that uh, Major League Baseball teams usually have college nights for the big schools within their demographic area that they cover. And that just happens to include Nebraska, (laughs) as well as all these other Colorado schools. So don't get angry for no reason. You don't people. see CSU people losing their minds that Wyoming is uh, has a night at Coors Field. I mean, maybe you do, but it doesn't raise as big of a stink online as this did. 
the only way the Rockies can remedy it is have Deion Sanders come out and throw first pitch and come hang out at the game. Get that, that publicity. Cool. That would be cool. I would like that. Though he probably can't play center field anymore because he's lost so many toes or whatever. He moves Weird around. Situation. He moves around okay for a dude with messed up legs and feet and not a lot of toes. <laughs> oh, he's usually hobbling around though. That's what I noticed during the game today. He's just kind of gingerly hobbling around. Yeah, um, you know, Dion took a lot of took a lot of hits and had things like turf toe and other things during his NFL career. And people don't really talk about it, but it can really mess your feet up. And so he had like blood clots and circulation issues. He's had a bunch of toes amputated, but yeah. you know, still a better base runner than Daniel Murphy was. <laughs> yeah, don't be hating on the Murph, who did <laughs> who, retire again. Yeah, who freshly retired again? Good for him. Which is weird because he was actually doing pretty good in AAA Salt Lake, but whatever. I think he probably realized that he was never going to get called up by the A's. That or he wanted to jump ship before he had to get called up to the Angels. Also likely. <laughs> oh, but, man. I feel for, for Angels fans right now. Yeah, but we, we can sympathize with them with how ownership operates. At least they kind of tried. It just didn't work out for them. They kind of tried. And then when it didn't work out, they went with the nuclear option. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, that's what I think makes it worse. But this is not a uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of California podcast. This is a Colorado Rockies podcast. Even though the Angels are full of former Rockies and we made three, (laughs) sent three players over to them this year, plus a former one signed with them. Oh, two former ones signed with them. But yes, we are a Colorado Rockies podcast and we've got a lot to talk about. Some interesting stuff. We've had some more roster moves. The rotation is getting set in stone for further seasons. One of them's on the injured list again. Uh, and then we've got some... Uh, talk about some of the youngsters on the team. Some ac- some promotions. Some guys that are doing well. And some other roster moves and stuff throughout the show. So, lots to talk about, Evan. But the big one here was on Friday... The Iraqis announced they have signed Erman Marquez to a two-year, $20 million extension through the 2025 season uh, to keep him in purple through the 2025 season. He is recovering from that Tommy John surgery, and so this kind of shores him up to pitch whatever for the 2024 season and then hopefully a full season in 2025. $10 million both seasons. He can make probably around $11 million in bonuses for t- in 2025 for $2 million a piece for 30 days on the roster and 60 days on the roster, and then $2 million a piece for 145, 150, and 160 innings pitched, and another million if he is traded. So, Herman Marquez sticking around through his age 30 season. What's your reaction to the seven? Because his future with the Rockies was, was a little up in the air after this season because of that club option for 16 million. I mean, unfortunately it still kind of is though, not as immediate as it was previously. Um, so like you mentioned, he had that 16, $16.5 million club option that had uh, a two and a half million dollar buyout, I think. Um, 
And instead of going with either of those, it's kind of like a restructure where Ermon is really not going to pitch much at all next year as he recovers from his Tommy John surgery. But you're doing right by, you know, the club's finances of not having to pay that full 16.5 million. But you're also, you know, not cheaping out on a guy who's played, you know, so long with the Rockies so far and is on his way to being one of the few players in Rockies history who's played 10 straight seasons only with the Colorado Rockies. Um, Herman's at eight seasons right now, and this will bring him to 10 if he pitches at all in the 2024 season. Um, the, the, the real thing for him is all the incentives in 2025 that are really going to uh, push him to want to be out there on the mound as much as possible. The one thing that gives me pause is that it does also set up the Rockies for the ability to trade him at some point in 2025. He has that $1 million incentive for being traded in addition to all the playing time incentives. And while that would be sad and I don't I don't want them to trade him. I want Herman to be a Rocky for life. I want him to come back healthy and and pitch well and be one of the best pitchers of all time in a Colorado Rockies uniform. If the organization decides that it's not in the best interest of the team to keep Herman around, then they have a way that would satisfy both parties in order to make a trade for uh trade him away. Mm-hmm. And but uh, partly it doesn't seem like that's going to happen because Iman Marquez has uttered the secret password phrase to ensure himself sticking with the Rockies. And what is that <laughs> phrase, Evan? It's, I want to be here. Exactly. And <laughs> I guess Thomas Harding wrote in an article saying that while he'd been working out, he's been sticking with the team and secretly telling people like, I want to sign a new deal and stay here. And he said the magic word. Dick Monfort appeared. Dick Monfort and Bill Schmidt just poofed in out of nowhere and hand him a new contract, and he'll be sticking around. And it was kind of interesting to see because it's it's of those two mindsets. He's only going to be thirty by the end of that contract, so you know, in, logistically it makes sense to try to keep him around because he's been a successful pitcher in Colorado. He was having what could have been a, a solid first month, a solid first or solid year this season. Uh, his strikeouts were really good this season. Low walks. It looked like a bounce back year for him on no heading into this season. And then the injuries just robbed him of that. And so he lose out on this final year of his contract. And then with him being out for a lot of next year, uh, there's no way you could really justify picking up that option. And instead, and like give him the buyout and then trying to re-sign him. But now they don't have to worry about that. And basically spread out that club option now between two years with a little bit extra on it. So it, more or less, you can save yourself a little bit of money for next season. Our uh, own Kenneth Weber, over he wrote about this what this deal could have looked like last Monday, uh, early September talked about what they could have done with it and then by friday they more or less did exactly what he had what he said to do yeah kenneth's article was particularly prescient because like 
it did kind of come out of nowhere when it was announced on Friday. Like mm-hmm. we hadn't really heard any murmurings of this being in the works. It just kind of dropped. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one, or it's one of those things where uh, we would have, you would have heard this in the last week of the scene, like October 1st, the last game of the season, you would have heard this news or like during the, during the playoffs or during the postseason, this kind of deal would come out, but I guess they got ahead of it. Wanted to get it out there, uh, probably to try and generate some good PR for themselves <laughs> in a way of, hey, we're keeping this guy around. But it, it still, the thing with a lot of the deals that the Rockies have made, is it still kind of muddies the waters of what this rotation, what the team looks like. But it's still good to have Herman Marquez, a guy who's had success in Colorado, wants to stay here. He's a good, solid pitcher. Is about to almost ensures that he's going to pretty much become one of the top two starters in team history, just in the record books and strikeouts, game started, innings pitched, all this stuff. He's cementing his spot in the Rockies pantheon of pitchers, and it's definitely a gamble still because who knows how he's going to be after. You know, recovering from Tommy John surgery, but it's good to keep that leader around because he wants to be here. He wants to be part of the, you know, see the team turn it around. He's loyal and he wants to be here to, to see it through. Like a lot of these guys, they want to see it through and see the Rockies contend again, because partly it's probably for pride's sake, because you don't want to be, <laughs> feel like you're the one that's dragging the team down and why they're bad but you want to be there to be why they're successful. But it's it's an interesting deal for Herman Marquez. Yeah, and it really does. Like, he is on the, the precipice of so many different pitching records for this team. Uh, he's fourth all-time in uh, pitching war. He's sixth all-time in earned run average. He's third all-time for wins. And the the big one for him is that he is only two below tying Jorge De La Rosa for all-time strikeouts with the organization. And I think this gives him a chance to come in and pick those up. And also, like you said, give us a little bit more of a look into what the rotation is probably going to look like in 2025, because that gives us the the three key players that are locked down is Kyle Freeland, Herman, and then Antonio Sensatela if their recoveries from their respective Tommy John surgeries go well. And it's nice to have a little bit more of that certainty because we really don't have that outside of those three guys. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these pitchers that are currently on the team, Chase Anderson, uh, Connor Siebold, Ty Block. We Chris don't Flexen. know if they're Chris Flex and we don't know if they're going to be around. They probably won't be. And there's not a whole lot of starting pitching reinforcements uh, in the upper levels of our farm system in double A AA and triple A. So it is nice to know that um, we potentially have our rocks in the rotation. You know, Kyle Freeland will be 32 years old um, then, but both Freeman and Sensitale will be just turning 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it locks up three of the five spots in, in the rotation, unless for some reason the Rockies go six-man rotation, which, hey, I'm all for it. If we had six pitchers, I would go for it. But it locks up. You've got all these guys signed to these contracts. So you've got, from what it looks like, 2025 is the 
the target date for we're going to make our push of contention. But you've got Herman Marquez, Antonio Sincella, and Kyle Freeland. Those are your three starters you can mix and match in there. But then that leaves two open spots and one that his, his future still feels up in the air to me that we can kind of talk about now is Austin Gomber, who has been sidelined since August 29th with uh, lower back inflammation. They placed him on the 60-day injured list, so he's done for the season. Uh, placed him on the injured list just to rest him. And they called up Victor Vodnik. We'll talk about him in the second half, second part of this show. But his future still seems up in the air after turning in or turning around his season and, and really being pretty solid these last couple of months. But even his future still feels up in the air despite some of the success that he's had. Yeah, what I'm really worried about is his back. Um, so he his back had been bothering him for a little bit, and now he's shut down for the rest of the season with back inflammation. And this is you know, just uh, two seasons removed from him being shut down at the end of the 2021 season in September with a pars defect back fracture. And, you know, the back is nothing to to take lightly when it comes to those injuries, especially for pitchers. So I am a little worried about that. And it's tough because Gomber's really had his, the last two months of his season, especially, have been really good. But honestly, you start in June and he starts to turn it around uh, after a really tough start of the season. But you look at his last two months of the season, you look at July and August. 10 starts, 55 innings. He struck out 27 and walked 13, so those are meh. But he had an ERA of just 376. And that's pretty solid. And he was still getting hit a bit, opposing batting average of 297. But he wasn't really getting uh, punished for a lot of those mistakes that he was making. He wasn't giving up a ton of home runs um, until sort of the end of August when his back started to be bothering him again. Because... He went about two months from, you know, June 14th to August 11th, where he really hadn't been giving up a bunch of runs and games. He strung together a decent number of quality starts. And then you can start to see where I think his back was really bothering him because you've got the six run game against the Diamondbacks and then... After that, it was just six runs on seven hits, three runs on seven hits. His final start, um, he only went, uh, you know, two and two-thirds innings, and that's when he was removed from the game, just not feeling comfortable pitching. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because he really did. He started to turn around, especially when at the beginning of the season when he was struggling, it really looked like that Nolan Arenado trade was just a complete wash where – Alaris Montero wasn't playing. Uh, most of the other guys were gone. You know, Tony Losi was traded. Mateo Gill was gone. And Austin Gomber was just really, really struggling after after struggling last year. And then he, he picked up the pieces and was looking so much better. And I really hope that, you know, he can recover and and take next year to, to try and be even better. But he's he's going to be 30 next year and he did put up 1.2 war per baseball reference this season, but it's really tough to say what his future is like for this team right now. Mm -hmm. Because then you have Peter Lambert, Ryan Feltner, 
they kind of seem to slot in for next season. No, still in that mix for trying to figure out who's going to be starting pitchers and whatnot. You've still got them. And Austin Gombert kind of seems like, well, he might seem like an odd man out where, yeah, he's been good, but we just don't have a spot for him. And we don't well, want to save a little bit of money because we do have some guys coming up oh, that we need to turn it over to if we can. You know, even Carl Kaufman and... No, Jeff Christwell, some other guys coming up. There's Connor Siebold. He's more of a long reliever still, but no. And then there's some of those guys down in double A. They're moving up quickly. Could see time there in triple A next season. And like, you've got like guys like Joe Rock. There's Tanner Gordon. There's so there's a lot of other options where Austin Gomber just seems like an odd man out. Just out of necessity, you could keep him around maybe and he can be your long reliever thing but he's another one of those things where he's a veteran guy he's a veteran now but he's got these back issues that have sidelined him again for the second time like in September where he's just not able to last out a whole season which is what you need out of guys but it's a tough situation he's he's one of those on the fence like what the heck do you do with him yeah Um, especially when you know, tw- end of 2024, 2025 is when a lot of the other prospects who had Tommy John this year are going to be starting to try and make their way back, like Gabriel Hughes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's a guy who 2025, there's a ton of these guys, 2025 is that window. And so, you know, it, time's running out for Gomber. Do you probably stick around with him just for that insurance through the offseason? you Know, agree in arbitration and then keep him around. And he's another opening day starter in place of Marquez next season or Sensatella. So there's options, but it's just this rotation's a mess going forward still. Yeah. Especially and, for the rest of the season. Yeah. Even the rest of this season, you're like, oh, we're good for maybe about five innings. And then it just stuff hits the fan after that. Ugh. Weird stuff. Can we go back to just high school doubleheaders, five innings? Sure. That works for me. <laughs> yeah. Rotation, still a mess. But, hey, the Kaiser is returning, at least for another two seasons, in Armon Marquez, Austin Gomber on the 60-day injured list. We just keep on a-rolling. Keep on a-trucking. <sighs> but I'm, what's man. really sad is that Austin Gomber was the last man standing who had mm-hmm. been on the IL from yep. the opening day rotation. Yeah, that's a <laughs> if man, if you could go back in time, Evan, and tell yourself no what the rotation would look like on September 9th, and you had to blow your mind and tell you that none of the open the starters in the rotation on opening day are going to be in the rotation in September. What would you, how would you react to that? Uh, you know, if I, if you, if you told me outright that uh, by the end of the season, everybody's been hurt at least once and um, two of your guys had to get a, Tommy John and the rotation is a mess. I would have been like, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, then if you told me that if two people had to get Tommy John, I would have been like, well, what the, he- what the hell? Um, <laughs> Cause like 
if I went back in time and told myself, asked myself, hey, you know, past Evan, how do you think it's September 9th? How do you think the Rockies rotation is doing? The first thing I'd probably say is like, oh, I bet Herman and Kyle are having pretty good seasons. And, you know, Senzi came back from his ACL tear and he's just, you know, he hasn't been amazing, but he's been solid enough. And then, you know, how's Ryan Feltner doing or how's Noah Davis doing or how's Austin Gomber doing? <laughs> And then you get the horrible, awful, awful truth. And then, yeah, of here's your current rotation of you have Ty Block, who can be good, but also can be really bad. Um, Chris Flexen, who's been not great. Uh, Chase Anderson, who's been not great. Peter Lambert, who's been a, a, a surprise. It's been nice to see him, um, but he's clearly still working his way back. And then Kyle Freeland, who's having just a really tough season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> rough times that poor misguided soul on opening day Unfor- luckily for us time travel isn't around so onward we go however forward in time and we'll take a quick break here when we come back we'll talk about some of the youngsters on the roster so don't go anywhere hello welcome back here to affected by altitude Rocky's podcast here, Rocky Mountain Rooftop. I'm Skyler Timmons with Evan Lang here. And part of that move to put uh, Austin Gomber on the 60-day injured list, opening up a space on the 40-man roster, the Rockies have chosen to fill that spot with a piece that they acquired from the Atlanta Braves when they traded Pierce Johnson, a reliever in one Victor Vodnik, who is, as of recording, hasn't appeared in a game yet. He'll probably appear over this weekend, I would assume, hopefully. Uh, so, But we won't be able to talk further about his debut. But it, kind of an exciting thing, because this seemed like the arm that the Rockies were really excited about. And you know, he quickly moved his way up from AA to AAA and now up to the big leagues. Got fast-tracked after being acquired by the Rockies. Seems like a guy that's that's a pretty exciting arm, Evan. What do you think? I like Victor Vodnik a lot. This was the guy that we got in the trade for Pierce Johnson when we sent him to the Atlanta Braves. What I'm a little worried about with Vodnik is that we are maybe rushing him up out of desperation for pitching, especially with how much the bullpen has been struggling recently with overuse where, you know, Jake Bird has thrown some of the most innings in the majors and he's starting to show hell. Everybody in this bullpen is starting to show, the fatigue of how much they have all pitched and Vodnik had only eight games with the isotopes where, you know, he wasn't a stranger to AAA. Um, with AAA Gwinnett in 2022 for the Braves, he made 24 appearances with a 2.93 ERA over 27 and two thirds innings and only gave up two home runs. He had 33 strikeouts to 16 walks and an opposing batting average of 252. And I know that the PCL in Albuquerque especially is a tough place to pitch, but in eight games with the isotopes, he wasn't great. Um, He was pretty solid in Hartford for a couple games before we moved him straight up there. Um, Well, I mean, I say pretty solid. He had six scoreless innings in four appearances. That's great. But with the isotopes, eight appearances, only seven innings, 
ERA of 771, which, yes, the PCL in Albuquerque especially is going to bloat your ERA, so you can look at other stats like that. But what you also need to look at is that he's he wasn't really getting strikeouts. He had four strikeouts to five walks. He gave up three home runs, which is one more than he gave up in three times the amount of pitching with AAA Gwinnett last season. It's It's been tough, and I don't no, we'll see. Maybe he does amazing, and that would be great. But it feels to me a little rushed. Mm-hmm. I can understand that because you also hear all the how high they are and how excited they were about him. Like, oh, he's got this high fastball and, and all this high leverage arm and everything. But they're just kind of taking that all at face value. And that's the thing we've always talked about with the Rockies is what are they doing to enhance and develop these arms to really harness those tools because you look at his you know throughout his career in the minors victor Vaughn, yeah he's got good stuff he's got a good arm you now can rack up the strikeouts but he can also struggle with walks you know with the command a little bit and we're seeing that with a lot of guys in that rockies bullpen where command has been a problem for a lot of guys you know, even when they get called up immediately, they're struggling with command. They're not pounding the zone. So it's it's going to be interesting. You would like maybe to see him get a little bit more development or at least pitch more than seven innings in Albuquerque before he reaches the big leagues. But it could be one of those things, like you said, a move out of desperation, even though there are arms that aren't no, that wouldn't have required to be added to the 40-man roster. There's arms that you could have added, brought up, that are hanging out down in, in AAA, like Riley Pint or something, but they clearly value Vodnik, and hopefully he can you know, come in and just guns a-blazing, pumping, <laughs> firing darts into the into the strike zone and rack up some, some pound shouts. Just let him come in and just tell him, throw the heater. Yeah, throw the heater, Victor. That's all we want you to do right now is just come in and pump your gas and see what we got there. From a development side, I get it. Of like, you call him up. There's three weeks left in the season. All right, Victor, hop on that mound. Don't worry about the results. Pump that gas. Mm -hmm. But we've seen other guys like Evan. Think about you know Evan Justice, who has been struggling since getting called up. And, you know, struggled in the series opener against the San Francisco Giants. And you worry about a guy. This is a team that struggled with walks as a, as a whole. And you worry about a guy like Victor Vodnik because, yeah, he's a guy with a 65 grade fastball that can hit triple digits. But he is also a guy who is going to spray the ball a little bit and get some walks. And you don't want to wreck his confidence. You don't want to cause any issues with his development. He's he's 23 years old. He's got mm-hmm. time left in the oven. And it's something I do worry about with this big league coaching staff of developing pitching talent and putting them in the right situation to succeed with what they've got. Yeah. It, it's exciting to see them moving guys up. And everything, it's just something we've harped on. What's the team doing once they get to this next level? 
to help them continue to develop to become you know to become the best version of themselves because once you're at the big league level that's where you should be getting the cream of the crop the best development that you can get in your whole organization where AAA will get you to the brink but only get you to a point to get you up and then you're at the base floor and the team needs to build you up even further and I'm not sure the Rockies have been capable of doing that with some of these guys. And so we'll just have to let him see how he rides it out here in these last couple of weeks if he sticks around for a decent chunk of it and gets some action. Now we, maybe we see less Jake Bird and a little bit more Vodnik. Things to think about. Jake Bird's arm is going to just fall right off his body at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough to have a the rubber man. Arms aren't rubber like they used to be. Fun stuff. Yeah, Victor Vodnik, interesting stuff. But somebody that is getting, two guys that are getting some playing time, talk about here, Elaris Montero and Hunter Goodman, who being nice little contributors to the lineup. Now, we touched on Goodman just a little bit in last week. Uh, but now he's had even more games. He's had another week's worth of games to play. So we'll talk about him. But Montero has been one that's been getting allotted playing time now because Michael Tolia was optioned down to AAA to get regular time. And they called up, uh, or they put Montero into a more of a regular role at first base and DHing. And he's having a decent you know, little outcome. Since coming back on the roster, Evan, since July 26th, he's played in 30 games. So end of July, all through August, and this first part of September. In those 30 games, he's batting 275, 339 on base, 471 slugging, has an 810 OPS. In total, he has 28 hits, 16 runs scored, six doubles, one triple, four home runs, 16 RBIs. And then the uglier number of 41 strikeouts and eight walks. But Montero is once again in August, the same as was last year, getting that regular playing time when he's looked better at the play. He's made some improvements. Yeah, what I really like is so that tail end of July is right when we were, we were at our peak of getting really mad because Montero was just not getting playing time. And it was so frustrating. But then since then he has gotten a decent amount of playing time and even more so at the end of August and now through September, where he's getting a lot of reps at first base. And I do want to touch on really quick before we talk about his batting, his defense at first base has improved Mm -hmm. tremendously, Uh, especially when you think about how he was effectively benched earlier in the season and demoted because his defense at third base and even his defense at first base was, was not very good. And he, especially over the last couple of games, he's made some nice plays. Hands look softer and more confident with the glove. His footwork is improving. He's not, he's never going to be like a gold glove first baseman. Mm-hmm. That that's just not how he profiles as, but he has been a serviceable defender at first base, and I think that is plenty 
from him. And then you turn around and look at his bat where the strikeouts aren't great, but the, the strikeouts for this team overall aren't great. Everybody's really struggling with strikeouts. But he is getting on base in that time range you you mentioned from July 26th to December 8th. He's got an on-base percentage of 339. That's not terrible. And yeah, he's only got four home runs, but it's one of those ones where the more you get on base, the more you make contact with the ball, the better at bats you take, the power is going to come. And we've we've seen him hit when he makes good contact with the ball. He crushes it. He's a very, very strong athlete. And I'm really happy with what I've seen from him here in this tail end of the season where it seems like he's finally getting his fair shake and it seems like he's really taking some good good at bats and, and working with his plate approach. And what it really started with was, we talked about this a little while ago, um, Hensley Mullins and the other Rockies started having like, meetings as a team where they can talk about how they're feeling, not just like their performance, but how they're feeling about things. And Montero, who is, uh, who is apparently very well liked in this clubhouse, like his teammates really love this kid had said that he was feeling not confident and he was feeling like he wasn't contributing and letting everybody down. And, now right now where we're at he i don't think he is i think he's really starting to pick things up and put things together and i'm really happy for him because even if he doesn't have a future with this organization which is possible because we're the rockies and first base is weird Mm -hmm. he is showing that he can at least have a a big league career i think yeah that's what i think too and what's nice here they've had that meeting and he's been making no, um, some minor adjustments trying to to get mechanics right at the plate, you know, uh, head move, movement and things like that, trying to get a control of that. He's working towards those things, and we can see that right now. Yeah, he's not hitting for the power, but I think right now his plan is trying to make contact and swing at better pitches. Yeah, he's working through that. He's a strikeout machine, and that's still problematic. But if he can work on... No, seeing the ball better, making sure his mechanics and timing and uh, all the swing path and, and making sure he's getting to the ball, getting back on the ball and swinging at good pitches, improving his vision, and then getting those base hits where he can, you know, even just focusing on making contact, drive the ball into the field. Then power will come. And uh, him being able to play a good, solid first base is good. And you can look at trading him. If needs be, if there's a team that's, no, they're rebuilding and they need a first baseman and they have an opening, oh, one of those teams might need that. Oh, <laughs> over there in the American League Central, they're always needing stuff. Things like that. Oh, one of these teams that could be kind of in a rebuilding mindset and, hey, we just need a, a, we need an impact, immediate, major league ready first baseman. Montero fits that bill. And he's fi- trying to figure out that bat. Once he can figure that out and just consistently make contact, cut down on the strikeouts, even just a bit, then, like you said, that power will come once he gets right at the plate. Because yeah. there's so much to like about Montero and his bat, but it's just not developing in Colorado. 
Yeah. And so, so many of our young guys are struggling with strikeouts right now. You look at Ezekiel Tovar, who's got 143. Brenton Doyle's got 131. And Nolan Jones has 104. And, you know, these are guys who have gotten substantially more playing time than Montero. Like Tovar's played 132 games um, versus Montero's played in 65. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Montero's 85 strikeouts in 65 games is a lot, but you are at least seeing him work on that. It's the same with Brenton Doyle. Brenton Doyle, you have seen him make adjustments in real time to his swing and his batting. And he outright said post game uh, a couple days ago that he wanted to, you know, wait and work on making adjustments playing winter ball and in the off season and then come back strong next year. But with the result he was having at the plate and he was forced to try and implement adjustments during the season. And it's been the same for Montero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the tough thing with baseball is you, unlike other sports where, no, you maybe have a couple of days in between games or a week, you can make adjustments that way. You have time to work. No, with baseball, it's a day-to-day grind. And you have, what, maybe 24 hours, 12 hours before trying to implement new things, new mechanics into your swing to try and right yourself. And it's a constant battle throughout the season. And so that's something these young guys are having to learn even more so, especially at the big league level where it's a little tougher to make those adjustments no, because just how the competition you're facing. But Montero, I think he's on the right path. And he's making the taking those baby steps forward the way he needs to. And you know, whether it's the Rockies or somebody else, they'll benefit from him making the making that progress, which is good to see for old Monty. But speaking of other rookies that are really contributing, this one right out the gate is Hunter Goodman. And we talked about him a little bit last week, but since then, has he has hit safely in eight of his first 10 career games. This is from Patrick Saunders with nine RBIs. He is the third player in franchise history to have at least 10 hits and eight RBIs through their first nine career games. The other two, Trevor Story in 2016 and Nolan Arnato in 2013. So Hunter Goodman is keeping some good company there in his first you know, week, two weeks in the big leagues, where he's another one of those guys that's he's contributing in the lineup, but not necessarily in the way that you know, a lot of people expect him to in the home run department. Yeah, Goodman's been interesting because he there are definitely still adjustments that need to be made. For example, he's got a 50% ground ball rate through his first uh, 10 games, but he is taking some really good looking professional at bats when he is up at the plate. Uh, he's hitting 314, 359, 514 with an OPS of 873 and an OPS plus of 123 in those first 10 games and no home runs. And this is a guy who tore the cover off the ball in double A AA and triple A, but he does have three doubles and two triples with those 10 RBI and even a stolen base. He's uh, he has struck out 10 times, so he's striking out at least once a game, but he's also got three walks, which is not a a terrible ratio. It's not amazing, but it's not awful. He's showing some really quality stuff from a young guy out there. 
where and it's like you said he's in some some great company for his performance so far and he could establish himself through the rest of the season as a guy who's really going to be something special mm-hmm. and there's an article that you can find over on mlb.com through the rockies blog um about no he was making a swing tweak around there in july down in the minors that really helped him just rock it up to where he is right now and it was watching video and noticing that in his swing path when he was starting his swing he was hitting a lot of no hitting breaking balls pretty easily and a lot of home runs and pitchers began to adjust to him and threw him a lot more fastballs and he was fouling off a ton of them wasn't catching up to them and that's one of the things that I hate when I'm watching Rockies games is no a fastball right down the pipeline one that should be crushed and how many times do we hear Drew Gibbon oh he he just missed he wishes he had that one back you know because we're fouling it straight back to the to the to the glass and Hunter Goodman watching video noticed that his his bat was kind of dropping and beginning to lag on fastballs especially at the beginning of his windup had nothing to do with the legs or the rotation everything else but it was just bat placement and where the bat was coming through the zone. Once he made that adjustment, then he starts you know, just absolutely rocketing fastballs, jumping on them, wasn't getting into those two-strike counts immediately. And we see him get that meteoric rise through July and into August. And ultimately, now he's with the big league team. And, and that's something that he's continuing to do now, which is pretty exciting to watch, is a young guy that just you know, lives and breathes hitting oh he's kind of that the approach he takes seems like an old school type approach an old soul type of approach where he just seems like a guy that just lives and breathes just dreams about hitting kind of like a dante bichette type but hopefully a better defender than dante bichette yes (laughs) he has knees that aren't just absolutely ruined but he's making that progress which is just awesome to see and i think like we said last week yeah he didn't have any walks but his plate approach it just look it just seems like he should have more walks but he doesn't but he has two triples he's rocking the ball home runs aren't there yet hasn't hit a home run yet but it's coming and i think it's just him working through some things easing in where he's just focusing on contributing and making solid contact on what's given him Definitely. And it it really is like him, like Doyle, like Montero. It's that willingness to try and tweak and make adjustments to your swing during the season, which is so hard. Baseball players are more than any other athlete creatures of intense habit. And it is so hard to make and implement adjustments during the regular season, especially like you said, Mm -hmm. it's a constant grind. There is no, oh, we have four days off before we have to go back to practice. It's day after day after day and Mm -hmm. that's the thing that ties these three together is their willingness to work and make make and implement adjustments into how they're playing and i think that is it's really great to see uh something real quick Uh, on four seam fastball specifically this season you know in the brief amount of time he's been up in the big leagues he's slugging 833 against fastballs has a 333 average dang he has a 30% whiff rate on them. He's struck out 30, 38.5% against them, against fastballs. 
but he's got a 57.1% hard hit rate on fastballs with an ex-Woba of 348. So, dude is on his fastballs, which is good to see. Yeah, it's the home runs are coming. They'll come. They will come. If you build it, they will come. But fun stuff. So, yeah, that's Monty and Goodman making progression. It's good to see, which is what all you can ask for at this point in the season. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we'll take one final break here. Uh, close things out. We'll kind of mop up some other news and stuff with the Rockies. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody. Welcome back here for the final segment here of Affected by Altitude. Skylar Timmons here with Evan Lang. Last bit of news here that we can kind of mop up on. Uh, A bit of a surprising move was... Coco Montez was designated for assignment. He did get outrighted to AAA Albuquerque, so he's still in the organization. But he was DFA'd, and Cole Tucker was added to the roster once again. Cole Tucker, if you remember, had, what, like a week with the team? Uh, not too long ago, in like July or something, or in August a bit. I can't remember. Time is a flat circle. But Coco Montez, DFA, was... Probably a really surprising move for a lot of us that have been following the Rockies and the prospects and Coco in general. Uh, but Evan, I know this was one that <laughs> you're not much of a fan of with him getting DFA'd. It's so frustrating to me because Coco Montes barely got any playing time at the big league level this year. He's mostly been down in AAA Albuquerque. They added him to the uh, they added him to the 40 man. He got 38 at bats and then was sent back down and now he's been DFA'd. And yeah, in those 38 at bats, it, it wasn't super great. He had two doubles and a home run while going seven for 38 um, and with an OPS of 560. But again, that's 18 games and 41 plate appearances. And now he, and I think we got lucky that no one claimed him off of waivers because he's been having a really good season in Albuquerque this year. OPS of 941, 19 home runs, five triples, 23 doubles. Coco Montes is a, is a, is a good, good player. And yeah, maybe he'll end up just being one of those like quadruple A players. He is 26 right now, but it is so frustrating to me to watch this happen, especially when you had the immediate obvious option of who to DFA and that's Harold Castro. And I've written extensively now about how it makes no sense, how attached to this team, Harold, uh, how attached to Harold Castro this team is, where he's got negative 1.4 war. He is one of the least valuable players by wins above replacement in the entire league. And he keeps himself stuck on this roster and he keeps getting playing time. Right now, before Saturday's game starts, he's in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Which is, it makes even less sense because we called up Cole Tucker and Cole Tucker hasn't even sniffed an at bat mm-hmm. since he was called up. 
But but he's a left-handed veteran, Evan. He's hitting Harold. But he's not hitting very well. It's like this has been a career worst year for Harold Castro in pretty much every offensive category. He has been bad. He's only hitting 258. His on-base percentage is 273, one of the worst on the team. His slugging percentage is just .323, and he's got that OPS of 596. So Coco Montes had an OPS not that much worse than Harold Castro's, and I would have much rather been giving Coco Montes that playing time. I would much rather be seeing Coco Montes at second base this evening than Harold Castro. It just it makes no sense to me at all why harold castro and i'm sure he's a he's a lovely guy his teammates all seem to really like him he was he was well loved when he was in detroit but his performance this year does not justify potentially losing other players like we could have lost coco montez we could have lost cole tucker in order to facilitate him continuing to be on the roster. And like I've said in my article, like we've discussed in our in our writer's room, Castro is, is arbitration eligible starting next year. So either we non-tender him and we wasted an entire season having a guy with a negative 1.5 war on our team, or we keep him next year and we're paying a guy who had a negative 1.5 war last season upwards of two plus million dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just for hindsight, uh, Jason Jambi was getting paid $1 million. The like, was it that first season he be after we had acquired him in 2009, he was getting paid just a million dollar salary the next couple of seasons. Uh, and Jason Jambi was very valuable off the bench. Harold Castro was not. And no, yeah, Coco Montes didn't have much success in the big league level. But who who has had success at the big league level for a lot of these Rockies this season? He had, yeah. after his debut, especially he had that good solid first game, and then he just stopped playing. Yeah, because he got put, he didn't get regular playing time. It was very sporadic, and he didn't really get a shot. And you know, I've been wrong before about getting mad about guys um, getting DFA'd. Um, a good example is Colton Welker, where Colton Welker is currently not with any organization after getting DFA'd by the Giants this year. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you know he or Coco or anybody shouldn't be getting more of a fair shake than they actually got. Yeah. And like, if you're going to bring up Cole Tucker... And then play him, yeah. Because I, I like Cole Tucker. He brings something to the team that you know, is still sort of missing. He's got the switch hitting athleticism, and the dude can draw walks. Like he's improved that quite a bit. He can draw walks while still making a lot of contact and being a good switch hitter. But who knows if he's going to get that action? Because especially here in September with twenty-eight man rosters you're still going to roll out your regular nine for the most part, aside from a couple of guys and Coco, he defensively, he's got it offensively. He's shown it that he can do that. He's a really good hitter offensively, but it's just hasn't gotten the shake. And with the Rockies at the big league level, which is sad to see. And 
the fact that he gets DFA'd to make room for Cole Tucker when no, you didn't even really need to bring up Cole Tucker for anything. He just seemed kind of like a random call up again. But it's yeah. just a weird like, situation. Where is where is Cole Tucker gonna play? Because when's he gonna out, play? The outfit yeah, when is he gonna play? The outfield is packed, the infield is set. You know, Cole Tucker's naturally a shortstop Tovar. They're not gonna take Tovar out of the lineup. So you could put him at second base, but apparently that's where you want to put Harold Castro for some reason. And it's it's weird. The the lineup for tonight in general, and this is gonna be dated by the time this episode goes up, is weird because Doyle but it's a lineup from the weekend, pretty much. But Brent Doyle is sitting out for a second game in a row. Brendan Rogers is sitting out um, after he had a day off just a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. And it'll be Nolan Jones's second start in center field. Uh, Hunter Goodman's in right field and Sean Bouchard is in left field. And I get that you want to get Sean his his playing time now that you've you've brought him back, but it's a strange lineup construction and it's just exacerbated by how frustrating it is, how much this team just has an iron grip on Harold Castro. It's, it's, it's the same as with jerks and Profar earlier this mm-hmm. season. And it took them a long time. It took them way too long, but they finally got rid of jerks and Profar and it's September 9th. We're going to lose a hundred games. There is no reason for Harold Castro to be on this team or getting playing time. Yeah. And things are just going to give you more weird when Chris Bryant inevitably comes back here in these final couple of weeks of the season. Where does Harold Castro survive yet another round of cuts? <laughs> yeah, because you've you've got to get rid of somebody to make make uh, room for Bryant on the roster. Yeah. And, and he's, he's only on the ten. He's only on the ten days, so you don't have to clear spot on the forty. But somebody's got to go. Yeah. <sighs> Weird stuff. But yeah, it's just a shame to see. We'll see what happens with Coco. If maybe he becomes one of those minor leaguers because teams are, you know, more and more just releasing their prospects because you just don't have the room on rosters in the minors, and so you have to make space maybe he gets released or they try and figure out how maybe they can trade him in the offseason or something but weird weird roster stuff hopefully Cole Tucker gets some action because we like to see him play but we'll see yeah it's just something that always really bothered me is that if you call up a guy give him the playing time it is so meaningless and so pointless to call somebody up and just have them sit on the bench. You're just wasting everybody's time. Mm-hmm. You know what happens when you're playing MLB The Show in franchise mode? If you call a guy up and you call a guy up on your roster, when you go into the lineup menu, the game will prompt you. It has, well, bench coach says, so-and-so hasn't played in a while. And this is after you immediately called them up. Like, this guy hasn't played in a while. You should consider putting him in the lineup. Like, even the game will prompt you to put in a guy you immediately call up. So why isn't Mike Redmond going to Bud Black and going, hey, put Cole Tucker in the lineup? <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. It's just, it's another, I, I, 
I know people are probably tired of hearing us harp on this, but it's another reason of why I think and why I'm more and more convinced recently that this team needs a top top to bottom coaching change Mm -hmm. of it is it's maybe time to clear out the house and bring in new faces Mm -hmm. and of pretty much everybody in this uh, in this coaching staff, the only guys that I would say, yes, we need to make sure we keep them is our buddy Warren Schaefer, because we love Schaefer, and you know he just got promoted to the third base coach. Uh, Vinny, I think Vinny is a great presence in that uh, dugout. Maybe even give him a little bit more like say in that in that coaching staff. And um, I would say Hensley, Hensley Mullins. And maybe guys like uh, PJ Pilateri and uh, and the rest of Bam Bam's assistant coaching staff. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's the new manager who gets to bring in the new blood. So that is true. Pretty much, when if if and when the head coach or the manager leaves, it pretty much just wipes the slate clean with everybody else. Uh, if I, it's done in the off season. I do think that this needs to be the last year of of Bud Black. Yeah, that is a conversation I think that we'll have to to have on another episode because that's something that our folks over at Purple Row and lots have talked about. And it seems like something that kind of needs a roundtable discussion. Which I agree. We may have to look into to doing that, folks. If that's something that you'd be interested in, even if it's a, just like an extra live stream that we do on YouTube or something. But I think Evan, that's going to do it here. For this edition of Affected by Altitude, uh, we're going to try and not run over time like we always do when I host. <laughs> it's, an hour, it's an hour long show. That's an hour and a half long. Yes. But <laughs> always appreciate folks tuning in with us uh, as this has been a weird, wacky season with a couple more weeks to go before we get into the off season. But Evan, where can the folks find you? And what do you want to plug? Can- you can find me on the tweeters at um, no at you can find me at X, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, as all of the media outlets refer to it. Now, nobody refers to it straight up as X, which is very funny to me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang two seven. I would love to hear from you. You can also find me on Blue Sky and at Evan Lang two seven dot BSKY dot social. Also hit me up on www.purplerow.com, writing those Thursday rock piles and game coverage when there is a Thursday game. And um, hopefully, especially as we move towards the end of this season and the off season, I'll be getting some more content up over on Fans First Sports Network at FFSN.app. Skyler, where can the folks find you at? You can find me on X. No. At sideline underscore crowd. Uh, You can also find me over on Blue Sky. I think my username is just S. S Timmons 13. That's T I M M I N S. None of that. O garbage. I N S. Uh, at B S K Y dot social dot whatever, all that stuff. But yeah, S Timmons 13 over on blue sky and then at sideline underscore crowd on Twitter. Uh, also should we just start calling it revolution X? Did you ever play that arcade game with Aerosmith? <laughs> Is that the one where you have like a CD launching gun? Yes. 
think I've played it. I know of it. I definitely know of it. We have it. We had it on Super good. Nintendo. What are you talking oh, about? That boy. game was awesome. Mm. It's really weird. It's a really weird game. That the heyday of SNES and Genesis ports of arcade games. Mm-hmm. The hey, it had um, Aerosmith in it. Oh, the and the, all the sponsored content. Uh, you remember the Wu Tang Clan game on the PS One? I know the fighting game. Yeah. Yeah. In that controller that shaped like the Wu Tang Clan logo, wasn't Wu Tang Clan at the Buffaloes game? They were. So there you go, full circle. We started off talking about Colorado Buffaloes. We end it with the Buffaloes. Time is a it's flat like, circle. It's like poetry; it rhymes. It's so dense. Every scene has so much going on. Anyways, with that uh, last la- word of wisdom. Last thing I, I did forget to say is you can find us on the uh, Rocky Mountain Rooftop Twitter account. That's at Rocky Mountain Rooftop at R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop. And find our written content at purplerow.com. That's going to do it here for this episode. I'm Skylar. That's Evan. Thank you for joining with us. Uh, be on the lookout for a new episode of Every Rocky Ever this coming week as well. Evan, hit them with it. Uh, F them up. F them up. Go see you. Farewell. I can't say the F word on camera.